0: Hello, this is Charles Kelly, Money Tips. How are you doing today? Uh, Many of you will know that I was a financial advisor uh, working for 25 years in in the industry, working for banks, uh, working for insurance companies, and for many years running my own uh, IFA practice, Independent Financial Advisor practice. And I've sat in front of thousands and thousands of people gone through their situation. Uh, They've told me things that they they wouldn't even tell their own families uh, some of the people wouldn't even tell their own wives. It's quite un- unbelievable. You wouldn't believe it. And I also wrote the book, Yes, Money Can Buy You Happiness, which was based on my, my financial advisor experience and showing people how to become, for instance, smart money managers, how to learn the three R's of money management, and you know how to deal with money on, uh, from a mindset point of view. So uh, I, I think I, I've got a fair amount of experience in, in dealing with people uh, in in terms of of finance in general and, and that's why I, I put that book together. Now what can an average person invest their money into uh, and what will financial advisors generally not tell you? now in, in my experience, you know most people are totally confused by all of the financial products when you mention pensions unit trusts and that sort of thing. They, they think there's there's hundreds of different investments. but in fact there's if you categorize them, uh, there's not it's not as complicated as you think and that's what I want to go into to now so what can you do with your money if you have a, a small lump sum to invest uh, uh, or you know you want to invest a, a monthly amount to, to build up some savings now here's a list of the basic products now I'm not talking about if you are you know, a billionaire here. I'm talking about the average person who's trying to save for their retirement or has a bit of a nest egg and they want to preserve their money and get a reasonable growth over time. And I'm not talking about investing in a business where you're going out to buy a business or you're 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 investing in yourself as a, in a business. I'm talking about money that you've got spare to invest. Now, first of all, there are deposit-based investments. Now, these can include building societies, banks. ISA's, Individual Savings Accounts, which is basically a tax-free wrapper around an investment. And in this case, an ISA can be a tax-free wrapper around uh, a deposit account. Uh, in other words, you give the money to the bank and they give you an interest rate. And uh, you know it, th- this is also guaranteed by the government up to £85,000 per account. And it means that if anything happened to the bank, if the bank went under the government would would bail you out and, and your money would be safe. But in practice, uh, I, I can't remember the last time a bank or an insurance company went under in the UK. Uh, and, and if they were about to, they would probably be bailed out or another bank or an insurance company would, would buy them out and take them over. This is because the city wants to, to maintain confidence in the market. So even when you heard about the Northern Rock, for instance, many years ago, they, they, they didn't go under, they were bailed out. RBS was bailed out by by the taxpayer and it is a viable business still. Now, the advantage of deposit-based investments is, is obviously that they are safe and they are guaranteed. Uh, they're so safe that you know very few of these banks ever get into trouble. And if they ever did, the government has got the, the, the guarantee, the deposit guarantee, only up to £85,000 though. So if you've got more than that in, in a bank in your own name, you know, you might want to consider spreading it if you're worried about, about the, the, the risks there. The disadvantages is that they offer extremely low returns at the moment, sometimes near to zero. Uh, and, and in some cases, deposit type investments such as bonds actually are offering a negative return. So the, the government want you to buy their bonds, which is a fixed, fixed interest type of investment and they want you to pay them to hold the money in this bond. They give you back less uh, than you than you know you're putting in, which is remarkable. But then these are for investments of much larger investments. So when you have negative interest rates, you're talking about institutional investments where they might put billions or hundreds of millions into the, these investments as a safe haven, which is guaranteed because they know that the British government or the federal uh, Federal Reserve is never going to go bust. They can always pay you. That money up because they are effectively printing the money to pay you so the disadvantage is low returns and this means that the purchasing power of your money over time will be eroded by inflation inflation is generally running at a higher rate than, than is paid on deposit so if your thousand uh, pounds today buys you xyz then in five ten years time it's going to buy you less than the xyz you 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 had them you know you could have bought previously does that make that, that makes sense? Inflation this is that the, so inflation is the, the average price rises of things and if your investment is not keeping up at least with inflation, then you are falling behind over time. Um, and in other words, you want your money to buy what you can buy today. You want that money to still be able to buy that in five years time, give or take a few items here or there. And ideally you would like your investment to buy you more in 5, 10, 20 years time than it can buy today that's when you're getting a real rate of return above inflation but you're not usually going to get that in a deposit type of of account or deposit type investment a safe deposit type investment now then you can look at other types of investments which are different from deposit which are generally concerned called asset backed investments They're, they're, they're investing in assets uh real assets that that's Uh, a range of things. And these could could include shares, bonds, uh, property. Uh, It could also include other things which I'll cover, Uh, but you can invest directly into these assets. You can buy, obviously, shares yourself. You can buy properties or or government bonds yourself, or you can invest through investment vehicles, if you like, wrappers or investment vehicles, such as uh, funds, unit trusts, uh, investment uh, trusts, investment funds, mutual funds, as they're called in America, Pension schemes and ISAs again. An ISA, as I said, is a wrapper, a tax-free wrapper. So, ISAs are not just deposit-based funds-based ISAs investments. They also can be used to buy stocks and shares and other types of investments. that's so an ISA is a is a general. It's not an investment in itself as such. It's a general term for a wrapper that goes around the investment. Does that make sense? So that that so the asset asset-backed investments. Uh, are are things like shares, bonds, property. You're investing in real assets. And the advantage of these is that you have potential for higher returns over the longer term. You have potential to make your money grow and buy you more in the future against inflation, taking into account inflation than it can buy today. That's the potential. But the disadvantages are that these are are slightly riskier investments. They can be very risky investments, generally a higher risk than a deposit account. So a deposit account is down there in risk. These investments start going up there. So you could get back less than you put into the investment. You could buy a share and that share could go down. The company could go bust and you've got nothing left. That's how Or the share price can go down or you can buy a bond or the fund in your pension scheme could be into shares and equities. And as happened in March that when the, when the market went down your fund would go down so if you were retiring at the end of March early April you you could find yourself twenty or thirty percent down on what you you had to retire at that time so these investments are are riskier and they're definitely more specialized you'd usually need advice to 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 invest in these type of investments or you should take advice or you should be trained and 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 understand the risks involved and be able to do your research okay so that makes it so i would categorize that the two types of investments are you've got your deposit type of investments here in, in in deposit accounts building society deposit accounts or, or isas bank investments or you then you've got your uh, asset backed investments uh, over here which are higher risk investments now if you have less than two hundred and fifty thousand to invest generally most financial advisors would only be able to recommend those type of investments. They'll only recommend funds which invest in shares, bonds or property, and that the funds will be regulated investments. So there'll be unit trusts, there'll be maybe investment trusts if they're slightly riskier, um, but mutual funds, as, as, as they're called in America, or, or regulated pension schemes, which invest in asset-backed investments, or they'll invest in deposit. They can advise you on ISAs and deposit-based investments as well. And and those type of advisors are regulated by the FCA, Financial Conduct Authority, and you're protected by the FCA, for instance, if you are missold one of these products by uh, an an authorised advisor, uh, or, you know, the company that they've recommended goes under, then you're usually covered by a guarantee up to, up to certain limits. And, you know, if you've got more, you know, that, that's up to £250,000 in general. These, this is what's available to the general public, if you like. And you can check the financial advisor register. I'm going to put a link up uh, later on on my blog, moneytipsdaily.com, And you can find a list of authorised firms and advisors in your area. Now, advisors are usually required to study. They must pass exams like I did. And prove they're keeping up to date by attending courses and doing their CPD, continuous professional uh, development. And if you want to know what they know, then you can take a basic financial advisor course yourself. I, I recommended it a long time ago. I think it's a good idea to, to take an online course so that you that would give you a, a, a step ahead of ninety percent of the people in in the country that probably just haven't got a clue about these products. They just listen to the advisor. The advisor says, put your money into this, 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 and they go, fine, I'll sign here. That, that's what most people do. So you don't have to be like that. You can take a, a, a basic financial advisor course. It might cost you a few hundred pounds. You don't have to become a financial advisor. You don't have to sit the exam, but you can learn a little bit more about what they know. I'd certainly recommend you do that. Now, financial advisors can only therefore recommend Regulated products. Now I've said what most financial advisor may not tell you. Now they might tell you this in their blurb. They might give you a, a, a brochure and a read this and sign that you understand it. You go, oh my god, just sign it. Uh, they might, uh, you know, when you call the company, they might say, oh, we can only sell regulated products on the, and they give you this thing on the phone, uh, and it's just blurted out, and most people don't even listen to it, and you know, so. That, that's what most most financial advisors probably don't explain to you in, in clearly enough that these are the things that they can now I'm sure advisors are watching and say yes I do I tell everybody that I'm not having to go at any financial advisor I was one myself but they certainly the message perhaps doesn't get quite across to them uh, because then you might say to your financial advisor should I put my money into a property should I buy gold should I buy this or that and and they won't advise you to do that they won't say, put your money into to property or invest in uh, BP because BP are down, the oil company are down at the moment, invest in that share because I think it's going up. They're not They're not allowed to do that. They'd get sacked. They, they could get put in prison if they did that. So they're not going to advise you to buy a property. And they're certainly not going to advise you to invest in uh, their friend's company because he needs an investment amount because that, that would be illegal and they, they, they could. And some do go to prison. 'Cause people lose their money. Sometimes you get rogue financial advisors who say, I would recommend you put your money to this company and that company is perhaps their own company or their brother's business. And when that money's lost, uh, you know, you, you can go back on this and and if they're if they are regulated, you, you can get compensation for that. So so that's why you know there was even if you say to your your IFA should I invest in a property they're not going to recommend it they might arrange a mortgage for you but they're not going to recommend that because they'll say it's too risky and in in some ways they're right if you put all your money into one property then you are taking a risk as opposed to putting it into a fund which invests in you know 50 properties or if you invest in one share like you've put all your money into BP or Apple then you are taking a risk you know compared to Putting it with a fund manager that has a range of shares in different sectors. Okay, so so that's that's uh, in in that in that way, it is more risky. Uh, I personally think that if you do your research and you, you you're professional about it and you you do the right research and you, you take the, the the right steps to make sure you've done your due diligence. I personally think it's less risky. That's my own opinion there. Uh, than, than giving it to a fund manager. Who just follows the herd and invests in loads of different shares, which go up and down like like a yo-yo with the market. That's only my opinion. But the financial advisor will say, oh, no, it's too risky. Similarly, if you say to a financial advisor, um, you know, you'd lend me money as a bank to to invest in property, right? And they say, yes. But will you lend me money to, to invest into your unit trust fund or your investment share fund? And they will say no. They won't give you. They won't lend you money to invest in that fund, uh, because they'll say it's too risky. But they're quite happy to sell you that fund to fund your retirement. That that fund that's too risky for them to, to lend to, lend you money to to buy, uh, those funds. So do you see the the, the paradox here? That um, on the one hand they're saying it's it's uh, put your money into this, and over time it will give you a good return, and you can retire. But they wouldn't lend you money and then secure it on, on that, that asset, would they? No, but they will lend you money to buy property because they feel that that is security for them, that they'll always get their money back if anything happens to you. Now, also, you should understand about financial advisors, some are independent and they can recommend a range of products. And, and some are tied to an insurance company or or a bank and they can only recommend products and services from that company. Now, I've been both. I've, I've worked for insurance companies and been tied to them and and banks and, and only been able to sell the bank's products. And I've also been uh, an, an independent financial advisor where I can sell anybody's products or recommend anybody's product. Uh, now, invest- I mentioned this 250,000 figure. It's not set in stone, but investors with larger amounts of money uh, can access special financial planners with a wider range of investment vehicles. Uh, and, and these these planners might be able to spend more time with them. Certainly, you know, like if you're a lottery winner or something, they'll, they'll put you in touch with a, a specialist financial planner. But many of them are still investing or recommending the same kind of products, but maybe a, a glorified version or a portfolio. We'll, we'll put you in this portfolio management scheme. But it's basically investing in in funds and shares and and bonds and that sort of thing but it's a fancier name for it but you will generally get more time and i I suppose better advice the more money you have certainly certainly hedge funds and that sort of thing that can offer higher returns will not you know you know they don't want five and ten thousand pound investments they're looking for much larger amounts so yes you, you can get better advice if you've got more money to invest now I've mentioned those regulated types of investments and deposit investments, but there are more specialised direct investments you can make. Now, you know, you see this on the TV, don't you? You can invest in art, you can invest in vintage cars, you can invest in antiques, fine wines, stamps, uh, as well as metals like gold and silver. You can do all these things yourself. And lots of people collect art, lots of people, you know, like to buy fine wines and Uh, silver gold and silver coins and bullion and that sort of thing now some do it as a hobby some do it because they they they're, they're an expert in this field and they'll they'll do it as a hedge against inflation so they'll say if i put my money into that hopefully that will go up and will be worth more money in time so what are the advantages well potential for higher returns if you know what you're doing because i don't know much about art you know i might invest in art uh, from, from some artist, and it, it could go up in value. It could be a lot of rubbish for all I know. I don't know enough about vintage cars. Uh, a friend of mine used to, a friend of mine who had a business, he used to buy, buy vintage cars, not, you know, Model T Fords, but, you know, perhaps uh, sports cars from the 50s or the 60s. And he would drive around in these. And, and he always said that when he sold them, he got more back than he paid for it. So he had the advantage of using a car and then getting more money back then he paid for it but you've got to know what you're doing you've got to know which of the cars to buy you've got to know a little bit about you know are these cars any good are they the original are they original features so he knew about that so he, he made money on that similarly i don't know about antiques i don't know really much about fine wines i don't know how to store them i haven't got the right storage facilities to store wine i've had old bottles of wine and open them up and you find they've gone off because they've not been stored at the correct temperature or laid down in the cellar and that sort of thing so I, I avoid these type of things. I, I have bought some gold and silver coins, uh, which which can be fun as well. Um, and, you know, so, yeah, I, as a hobby, it, it's okay. I wouldn't put all my money into gold and silver. You can put a certain amount of your money into gold and silver. That That's fine. Um, now, what are the advantages? Well, potential, as I said, potential for, for higher returns, if you know what you're doing... And, and usually, but not in all cases, they can be tax-free or capital gains-free. Uh, so certain gold coins are considered to be currency. You don't pay any VAT on it. You don't pay any uh, capital gains. Cars, for instance, you don't pay capital gains. If you buy a car today and sell it for more tomorrow, you don't pay capital gains. Uh, the reason they don't uh, charge you capital gains is because you could also claim losses on cars if, if capital gains, if they were treated for capital gains as a, as a tax. uh, loss or gain. Uh, Disadvantages in these types of investments, obviously they're higher risk, um, they're unregulated, they require specialist knowledge and expertise. And these types of investments do not generally produce an income uh, as would a share, because a share would give you dividends, or a property would give you uh, an income in terms of rentals. So, uh that 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 gives you you know there are lots of things you can invest in it's not just about property shares and bonds but i'm talking about the regulated, as opposed to uh the more uh wackier types of investments that people will will make uh but you know you you've got your money you can make your choice now i want to talk about property in particular because in in recent years there's been an explosion in buy-to-let property investors and and small property landlords and uh developers and this sort of thing. And now there are around around 2 million uh, buy-to-let landlords in the UK. Now, direct investments into property, or as my my mum and dad used to say, bricks and mortar, put your money into bricks and mortar, son, you know, uh, as they said, has proved, you know, extremely popular with investors in recent years. And and especially as the the mortgages have been available on on the buy-to-let mortgage scheme since, you know, for for the last, I think, 20-odd years, uh, in in the late '90s, that started to appear, and these investors have, have have started to shun traditional investments like pensions and shares and unit trusts and that sort of thing. Uh, and and the pensions went, the pensions industry went through a bad time when there were there were there was a scandal of the the Robert Maxwell, who stole hundreds of millions of pounds from the Daily Mirror pension fund. Uh, then we had uh, lots of complicated legislation coming in. Lots of companies closed down their final salary pension schemes. So there's been a lot of confusion. And because of that, people thought, well, I don't understand this. I'd rather invest in something tangible that I can understand, I can see, feel and touch. So this is what has caused this explosion in in buy-to-let investment. And also the fact that there's money available to to buy them and and to to borrow. So the advantages are, uh, well... Potential for higher returns over the medium to long term. I've certainly experienced that. Doesn't mean every property you buy is going to go up in value. You, you must remember that. Property rentals can also produce uh, a, a return or a yield in addition to the capital growth. So if you buy a property today for £100,000 and you get in, say, a 5 or 10% yield, that could give you a 5,000-year rent. Plus, in years to come, that property could go up in value. And in most good areas in the country, in London and the southeast, property has tended to double in value every seven to 10 years. That's on average over the past. Doesn't always happen, though. Doesn't mean it's going to happen in the future. Uh, so you have potential for, for good returns over the long term, certainly more than deposit accounts. Property rentals produce a, an annual yield or rental return. Then you've got leverage. You can obtain a mortgage to, to, to purchase a property. You can use that leverage. You can buy a property with with a mortgage. So if you to give that, that example of the £100,000 property, you can borrow usually £75,000 to buy that property. And you only need £25,000, therefore, to buy a £100,000 property. And the rest of it can or will be paid off by your tenant over the years the rental returns could pay that mortgage off so in effect over the term you could you could almost buy a property for, for, for zero money in if you think of it in that way over the longer term so the leverage is a massive advantage uh, which property has over other investments like like i mentioned before like shares uh, or or unit trusts now incidentally in the uh, in, in the stock market crash of 1929 which, which then was followed by the, the Great Depression, people at that time, one of the reasons that the market crashed is people could borrow money from institutions to buy the shares. The institutions would, would allow them to buy the shares for you know, 20% down, and that they would hold those shares as security. Now, when the market crashed, obviously, that security was worthless. They called the money in from the investors. The investors went bankrupt. So I think since then, it's pretty, pretty standard that you can't really borrow money against the shares and, and use that as security to buy shares. Obviously, with companies, it's different. If, if companies are using leveraged buyouts to buy large companies, on the you know, quoted companies on the market, yes, they can borrow money to buy shares. But for the rest of us, we can't do that. And as I said in that story with the bank financial advisor, that they won't lend you money to buy their investments that they want you to put your money into. for your your retirement, but they will lend you money to buy property. Now, that's that's the third advantage. The other advantage is there are tax advantages in buying property. Some of those have been taken away. It's a complicated area. You need to to seek advice on this, but depending on which investment vehicle you use in which to buy the property, uh, you you can use limited companies. You can use pension schemes to buy certain types of property. So there can be massive tax advantages for that. For that type of purchase and the disadvantages are property obviously requires more work you know and and it's seldom i would say a totally passive investment yes some people buy properties up north and they're totally managed but you know you're going to get that call sometimes oh you know the boiler's broken down you need to send some money so it's not really passive in in in, in that you know you're buying a share in a company and you're a shareholder but you're not participating in the management or the running of that company with property it does require more work, more effort to go and view properties, to, to arrange things, to yeah, you know, all these things. Yeah. And, and there are fees involved as well. Property is an illiquid investment. It's not a liquid investment like a share which you can, a quoted share you can sell on the market just like that. Property takes time to sell and can be difficult to sell it during a downturn, depending on which area. If you bought... In an area which is a depressed area, and during a downturn, you might not be able to sell that property. You might just sell it for less than you bought it for. Uh, negative equity, as it were. So you've got to look for that as well. It's higher risk. Now, it's higher risk, especially, I'd say, for the amateur landlord, the accidental landlord, or the small investors who buy a property at an auction blind just because they've watched Homes Under the Hammer on TV. And we see this we see people being interviewed saying they never viewed the property they never read the legal pack they just thought that was a good idea it looked cheap so they put their hand up and bought the property at an auction or you get the amateur landlord that thinks i'll get into to uh, buy to let and they just buy a property that they think looks good because they they like it they would live in it so it must be right for tenants and and they buy it so i i think property investment should be treated as a, as a business rather than a hobby. Many years ago when I started buying, I treated it as a hobby, a part-time thing. And I should have really treated it as a business. I'd be a lot better off today if I had. Uh, and, and I think you should learn about property so that you can become a property investment professional. And when it's done professionally, property investment can be extremely rewarding, believe me. And it can be enjoyable. It can be fun as well. It, it you know A lot of people have uh, become property investors and given up their uh, their their jobs to become full-time property investors. And you don't necessarily need money to, to get into property. You can buy property in many, many ways without using any of your own money. Now, other investments. Okay, I often get people asked by people to say, what do you think about Bitcoin? What do you think about Forex or traded options? What do you think about, you know, should I invest in these things? You know, and the very fact that, I'm, you know, they've asked that sounds warning bells because they don't understand it. Uh, and I've usually, um, uh, uh, and I, I've usually read about it. And people say, look, I've read about Bitcoin. I've read about um, uh, you know uh, th- these these currencies. I've read about forex. I've heard about a course, and our cryptocurrencies And people say you should invest in gold. And I've seen this video on YouTube. And my answer is, look. The very fact you've asked me that means you probably don't understand it. And if you don't understand something, then don't put your money into it. You know. And there's also a difference between investing and speculating, right? Uh, you know, investing means, you know, let, let's just cover speculation. Speculating on a certain share is going to go up. Like if you think oh oil is down at the moment, let's invest in oil companies. That's that's kind of speculation. Uh, or currencies. You think well the dollar's high, the pounds low. I'll buy dollars and. You know that, and you're basing it on a news story or the fact that you think maybe a company is going to strike gold or strike oil. You know that that's that's speculation. Whereas investment is investing in something you've researched, something you understand, something that you uh, you know you believe is going to go up in value or or will give you value, or you're buying it at the right price. That's investment. And you invest in, in for the long term. Similarly, similarly, jumping on the property bandwagon because there's a hot market or properties are rising, and you want to you want to get in. Fear of missing out, there's FOMO. You want to get in on this property boom. That's when people, most people, go into property when it's booming, it's going up like that. And or you see some off-plan apartments in a new development. You think <clears throat> I've got to get in on this because people are queuing up to buy these. I've seen this many many times over the past. And people are literally queuing up at six in the morning to buy any apartment in the block. They buy it off plan. They put the deposit down. You know, that's, that's, that's risky speculation, in my opinion. Uh, so it, that's not what I would call uh, investing in doing your research and buying the right property because you feel it will give you a good return on your investment or ROI. So I, I think if you want to learn about property, take a course, read a book, um, you know read some of my books on investments like money can buy your happiness read read about it or, or at least take a course now I, I have many courses that get offered to me because of money tips uh, some of them are free seminars, free webinars so if, you, if you're interested in investing in property or you're interested in investing in shares just drop me a line get it get in touch and I'll put you onto one of these free courses and and you you can take it from from there. Um, so that, that's that's what I would certainly recommend for you. You want to become a professional investor in any type of any type of situation really make sure you learn about it and do it properly thank you for listening to money tips for more tips and information visit moneytipsdaily.com the information given in this podcast is for your entertainment and should not be construed as financial advice as always take independent financial advice before making any investment decisions